This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. With cleaning and hoses, more isn't always better. If you're just leaving cleaning uh, chemicals in your hose, you can expect the service life to be drastically reduced. This week on the show, Brewery Hose. Michael Cavanis joins us to talk longevity, selection, storage, cleaning, and more. Let's talk about longevity. What kind of service life should we be expecting from Brewery Hose? Yeah, in terms of service life, hose, like any elastomer, has a finite service life. And although, you know, I get it, hose is, hose is relatively expensive, um, uh, it does have to be replaced, I'd say, on average, every three to five years. And, uh, you know, as we all know, time flies and three to five years goes by much, much more quickly than you thought. And all of a sudden you're thinking, nah, nah, I just bought this hose. I don't need to replace it. But that's when problems occur. Um, So, you know, the ways to know that you need to uh, replace the hose are, you know, just as a matter of, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your, uh, your own policies and procedures, put a expiration date on it, you know, Uh, as, as soon as you buy it. You know, give it an average. Just say, you know, okay, I bought this in uh, December of 2018, so we're going to replace this in December of 2022, and just write that on the hose. Um, and uh, you know, if you wanted to take a more, uh, uh, you know, cautious approach, uh, I guess in terms of your your budget, inspect the hose on the inside, and of course. Sure, you can imagine it's difficult to inspect a hose on the inside, which is where most of the problems are going to be likely to to occur. And I, I did read uh, uh, a good comment there on the the uh, Master Brewers forums, uh, saying that some people will cut an end off the hose and uh, inspect that uh, cut end interior to see, okay, is there any cracking? Does it look like it's in good condition? I mean, is the is the compound there, uh, you know, uh, solid and not flaking off or anything like that. Um, however, then the problems becomes 
you know, now I've got a hose with one end on it. So, uh, yeah, you can reband it, take it to your local hose shop and have them put on a new end for you or, or what have you. Yeah, I, I worked at one brewery, one larger brewery. That that's kind of what we did was each year you cut the hoses down. So you start with I don't know a twenty foot, and the next year that's two ten foots, and the next year then that becomes you know five foot, and um and then it then it gets you know then it's past its life, and the and the short hoses are, are thrown out. That's a killer idea. Let's talk about storage. I, I've seen some folks store brewery hose capped. Do you want to talk about why that's a bad idea? Uh, well, I would say you mean capped like with, with an end on it, right? Right, right. Right. Okay. Um, I'd say it's not a bad idea as long as the hose is dry. Um, although I'm curious to hear why, why you think that might be a bad idea. Well, I think in most cases it's not dry because they're, you know, they're storing it. We're talking about short term storage. So, you know, you finish using it for something and then I guess they're thinking that they want to keep things from getting into the hose, but it's not going to be thoroughly dry right away. Right. Yeah, no, that's nasty. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's it yeah, you want to do it when it's dry so that something can't get into the hose, but doing it when it's wet is gross. Yeah, and I and I've seen some other folks uh mention too about uh suggest, you know, storing hoses full of sanitizer or something like that. Um No, 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 and, no, no. And yeah, so why don't you tell us why that's a bad idea? Yeah, so uh in in general when we're talking about cleaning hoses we have uh, a maximum time of uh con- in contact with your cleaning chemicals of 15 to 30 minutes uh, is the best recommendation so if you're just leaving cleaning cleaning uh, chemicals in your hose you can expect the service life to be drastically reduced um it's yeah it's not good at all so for all those pub brewers out there who say, you know what, it's not going to hurt to let this uh, CIP run a little bit longer. I'm going to, you know, let it keep going while I go have lunch or something. That's actually not such a great idea, huh? Right. It's going to reduce the service life of the hose. Um, and additionally, I think sometimes people, uh, it may not hurt your, you know, your 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 tanks. Stainless steel, uh, you know, may not have any adverse effects when you're running cleaning or when you're using, uh, yeah, when you're running cleaning protocols too long, but you can't apply the same cleaning protocols that apply to stainless steel to hoses because, uh, you know, they're thermoplastics that, uh, that can uh, react adversely with these cleaning chemicals, particularly if they're in, in contact with them for a long time. Anything else you want to say about storing hoses? Um, so yeah, in terms of storage, you know, when I go into a brewery, uh, I look around and it's, you know, pretty clear where the hose is stored. Most breweries I see kind of toss the hose, uh, over their tanks, um, and hose elastomers have a memory. Um, and when they're stored in a certain way, uh, they will want to continue to remain in that position. So if you store the hose bent, you know, um, and uh, with its weight pulling down on the center, when you take that hose off and you bend it back into place, you're bending in another direction, it's more likely to crack um, uh, in the place where it was bent. And that's obviously exactly where you can't see it because it's dead center of the hose. Um, so the best practices for storing that we've found are to support the hose over its full length, allow it to drain completely. So either, you know, have several hose racks making a you know an arc or a, a slope 
and then uh, draping the hose over that so that it's fully supported, um, letting it dry completely. And if it's not going to be put back into service shortly, cap the ends once it's completely dry so that you don't have anything crawling in there and uh, causing havoc. Generally speaking, what's hardest on the hose? Is it going to be the, um, you know, the acids that are used versus the caustic cleaners or, or something else entirely? It's a, it's a combination of the cleaning chemicals and the temperature. That tends to have uh, more adverse effects on the lifespan of the hose than any one in particular. Um, as long as you're, you know, uh, following the the rule of keeping these chemicals in contact with the hose for, you know, fifteen maximum thirty minutes, uh, you shouldn't see any adverse effects. And uh, yeah, as long as you're, you know, referring to chemical compatibility charts, most of those charts will give you uh, good practical guidelines on what to use and uh and how to use it every now and then the topic of pickling hoses comes up especially from uh old timers that have been in the industry for (laughs) for a while um in fact i just saw something recently on the master brewers uh, community site uh talking about trying to get rid of a rubber or sulfur smell from some gaskets and and people brought up again the topic of pickling hoses uh oftentimes that involves storing spent yeast in the hoses for some period of time uh to sort of break in the hoses is that just like old wives tales for brewers or is there any truth to to that it works uh you do have to do it under the light of a full moon um (laughs) and uh yeah. No, no. I, I mean, the first time I heard about that actually was when I gave this talk at the uh, the, the Master Brewers Conference uh, Northwest. Um, it, it's really interesting. Um, and, you know, if I were writing the, the hose instruction manual, I don't know that I would include a, a chapter on pickling hoses. That said, you know, if it works, it's, it's not hurting anything. So, you know, go for it. Um, of course, you know, I'd say you probably will get as good results if you just follow an initial cleaning protocol. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave that one up for debate, I suppose. Okay. But theoretically you shouldn't have to do anything different. Uh, the first time you, you go to use a hose, it should be just a normal cleaning process and, and use it, right? Theoretically. Yes. I think maybe it came about more in the earlier days of hoses when perhaps the compounds weren't as refined or when you know natural rubber was a more popular hose liner material that would make natural rubber i mean does have a a pretty you know strong odor to it um but yeah that's 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 my theory anyway i i like it okay Uh, let's go with that all right so another interesting uh topic that you brought up that i had never heard of before was storing hoses near electrical panels and transformers what's the problem there yeah so that's kind of unintuitive um but uh electrical panels uh can give off ozone um and yeah you you might not think about that but yeah if you're if you're storing it next to you know your uh your uh your 230 volt equipment um yeah it can give off ozone and uh i don't think that ozone is commonly used as a sanitizing agent in breweries is it it isn't sometimes in wineries yeah Um, there's a there's uh it's not unheard of there's a little bit of that and every now and then you encounter someone who wants to give that a shot or who is doing that um i've only seen it in my career for um 
mold removal in a in a large mm. warehouse type of brewery that you know it doesn't isn't climate controlled during the summer months that's the only time i've really ever encountered it interesting yeah so uh ozone uh you know it's great for sanitizing it does it very quickly and you know seemingly uh easily but it it attacks uh elastomers uh and unless you have uh elastomers that are specifically specced for use with ozone it can destroy them pretty quickly and so you know to that end anything that gives off ozone naturally such as electrical panels uh yeah it can attack and degrade the hose i'd like to talk about one topic that it's uh, came up on the uh as the brewmaster site not terribly long ago uh, and, and that was uh talking about chlorobutyl hose liner failure uh, there was a very interesting thread on there that was started, I guess, um, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now, but uh, Chris Scholl, who's, uh, who's actually on the executive committee right now, uh, he made a post and basically said, we noticed what is described as a white sticky substance on the surface of some of our stainless tanks. We were advised to check our beer hoses and upon inspection, we discovered that the chlorobutyl hose liners have degraded and the liner material can easily be scraped off. Um, so he goes in and talking about that, and then there's a whole host of responses about it. I've actually experienced the same thing. And um, Robbie O'Kane, who actually I used to work with at Star Hill, uh, he also posted on there uh, about the failure that we had had there. And in that case, they uh, determined that it was caused by uh, running a, a nitric phosphoric acid uh, at a high temperature. But that being combined with copper entering the system, uh, and they found that out by doing some, uh, basically by seeing the copper staining uh, on the on the liners there. So I just wanted to see if you have anything interesting to add on that. It's it's really an interesting thread with a, a lot of good information inside of it. But um, I wanted to see what you had to talk say about it. Yeah, it was an interesting thread, and and um, it wasn't totally clear to me that. You know, in all instances, you could say, okay, case closed. This is what it is. Um, however, it, it seemed to me that the most likely culprit uh, was, uh, as indicated in one of the posts there, the age of the hose, um, the time in contact with the cleaning materials. One guy uh, chimed in there saying that, you know, they were soaking their hoses in cleaning solutions and they experienced the same failures. Okay, well, you know, that one's a pretty, pretty cut and dry case. Um, uh, but in many cases, yeah, my my strong suspicion is that it's a matter of hoses just you know going beyond uh, their uh, their recommended uh, time in use, um, and, and, and then maybe combining that with you know if your chemicals a little too strong or if the temperatures right. are a little too high, and that you know being a contributing factor to the decreased shelf life, right? Yeah, exactly. And with with cleaning and hoses, you know, more isn't always better. Um, this is one case where, yeah, you know, like you say, it makes sense to to pay attention to how long am I cleaning these hoses? Am I staying within the the, the recommended guidelines for time and temperature? And uh, yeah, you know, as long as you're doing that and following a, a hose replacement program uh, within a certain time frame, then you're probably going to never experience this particular issue. Um, so, yeah, that thread was in. 2016 then everyone in that thread probably needs to go out and take a look at their hose and 
and uh, change them if they were still using them when the thread was still active. That's right. That's right. And and I thought you know uh, Carl Ockert had a he mentioned a, a great idea which you kind of touched on earlier that I really just don't see many folks doing. But yeah, get a get a sharpie and go out there and and write on the hose you know the date it, it was installed or or the expiration date or something like that because otherwise you know there's a lot of turnover in the industry and you know who knows when that hose got put into service. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've got like a little uh, electric, uh, you know, etcher that you might use to put your name on your tools or something like that, just, you know, go to the bands or go to the crimped ends and put, like I say, expiration date of, you know, December 2022. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I think that personally, I think saying giving the hose an expiration date is more effective than saying when it went into service. An expiration date is kind of more like, uh, you know, proactive saying that, okay, if you're using this hose after this date, you're doing something wrong. Coming up. EPDM in general doesn't have the same uh, mechanical wear resistance uh, that, uh, that, that butyl does. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Barna Mechanical, a full-service design-build firm specializing in turnkey process and utility systems for the brewing industry. We partner with some of the best craft brewers in the U.S. to ensure the great beer they brew is what their customers get in every glass, bottle, can, or keg. You know beer. We know breweries. Additional support provided by... ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The District Eastern Canada Christmas Party is December 19th in Montreal. Looking ahead into the new year, District St. Louis meets at Anheuser-Busch January 17th. Is PCR right for your brewery QC program? Check out the Master Brewers webinar January 24th. The District Ontario Annual Conference is January 31st and February 1st. District St. Louis meets February 21st at Third Wheel Brewing. And the 2019 California Joint Technical Conference is February 28th and March 1st in Paso Robles. It's not too early to start making plans for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you can only make it to one conference in 2019, this should be it. We're really mixing it up this time and heading to the Calgary Convention Center to see how Alberta celebrates Halloween. Will there be a costume party? Only Tressa knows. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Let's talk about hose selection. What factors do brewers need to consider before purchasing brewery hose? 
Well, uh, kind of the you know standard answer uh, that you'll get is that you should follow the STAMPED rule. Uh, and STAMPED uh, being an acronym that's uh, widely used throughout the uh, the hose sales community, uh, standing for uh, size, temperature application, material, pressure, ends, and uh, delivery. And uh, I've said before, I think a few of those were were thrown in to make it a nice acronym. Um, But, you know, regardless, it's it's one of those checklists that if you go down and check each one off, you're not going to go far astray. Um, You know, like a, a pilot's checklist or a surgeon's checklist. You may think that you know the answers, but once you uh, sit down and think about it, it really is good to uh, to uh, to get them all squared away before making a purchasing decision. Okay, well, let's go through that list a little bit. So, what is there to talk about in regards to to the S size? So, uh, with size, I again, it, it may seem relatively straightforward, but uh, the main things that I think you know when I'm talking to people about buying hose that they don't consider is that if you've got you know inch and a half tri-clamp ends in your brewery, you don't necessarily need to have a one and a half inch hose. Um, And typically, you know, uh, the most common sizes, of course, are are one and a half and two inch um, tri-clamp, but you could get a a tri-clamp end that's, you know, three quarter inch hose by one and a half inch tri-clamp. And the reason that you might want to do that is, uh, first off, cost savings. Smaller diameter hose is generally... Uh, less expensive. It's a lighter weight. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the biggest fear I think people have is that they're going to lose flow rate if they go to a, a smaller hose. And uh, yeah, you know, typically as the diameter decreases, uh, you have to increase the pressure in order to, to, to achieve similar flow rates. But, you know, uh, on a, on a, on a, on a craft brewery scale, the difference between one inch hose and one and a half inch hose in terms of flow rate may not be as big as you think, but you know, when you're lugging it around all day long, it's a huge difference. So uh, that's a good point. Okay. So how about temperature? Um, That seems pretty important. What should we talk about there? So for temperature, um, you know, uh, obviously you've got the, the standard operating temperature, which is, you know, listed for, for pretty much any, any brewery hose uh, that you're looking to purchase, as well as the max operating temperature. And so, you know, those are the, the obvious things. The other things that you might need to think about are, okay, what, what temperature am I going to want to clean at? Is this hose rated for steam cleaning? Um, if so, how long before it starts to break down or, uh, or whatever? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the main two things there are just operating temperature, cleaning temperature, and, uh, and yeah, any other temperatures that it may be subject to. All right, let's hear about application. Um, so application, uh, it's, uh, this one's pretty straightforward and, and, you know, again, maybe one of those things because, you know, stumped is not such a good acronym as stamped. Um, but regardless, just think about what's the application that, that you're going to be using it for. Is it going to be the main things are for a brewery? Is it an indoor application or an outdoor application? Indoor hoses and outdoor ho- hoses are generally composed differently. They're, uh, the biggest difference is going to be in the exterior. Um, obviously, if it's outdoor hose, it's going to be more rugged, subject to, uh, you know, things like breaking down from sunlight. Indoor hoses uh, may not need to be as concerned about. Um, so yeah, in general, outdoor hoses will be more rugged and slightly more expensive than indoor hoses. We did an episode 
a while back um, uh, about kegs, and we talked about sunlight. If you're storing your kegs outside, sunlight breaking down that rubber seal at the top of the keg valve too. So I, that's something that probably a lot of people don't think about. Even if you're indoors, um, you know, it, it's possible you might be storing your hoses in direct sunlight with the you know near a window or you know window that's open or, or garage door or something like that. So um, that's something folks certainly ought to take into consideration. Yeah, sunlight will break down um, some uh, hose exteriors uh, over time or, or relatively quickly, depending on the material it is made of. Speaking of material, the M in stamped is for material. Yeah, and that's, uh, of course, uh, material referring to the material that is to be pumped. Um, and in a brewery, by and large, you will be pumping beer. Um, uh, but, of course, you know, the, the the other things that you may be pumping in a brewery or certainly will be pumping are going to be, uh, you know, mash and wort and uh, wastewater and, um, you know, uh, of course, uh, other ingredients that uh, that find their way into your beer. Or certainly, you know, I, I see a lot of uh, breweries expanding uh, into distilleries as well. Um, and all of these compounds uh, can require different uh, types of hoses or certainly will, you know, the, the longevity and performance will be, will be best if you're using the proper type of material for the hose. Um, so typically within a brewery, um, we see butyl, chlorobutyl as being the most common and most popular uh, material for pumping beer. Um, it's, it's not inexpensive, certainly. Um, but uh, it tends to have the widest range of chemical compatibilities, the widest range of temperature compatibilities, and uh, to be the most suitable uh, for and inert, I should say, um, so that it's not uh, interacting with uh, with the uh, with the beer itself, but is a static element in your brewery that you don't really have to think about. There's some other options out there as well, like EPDM and and nitrile and some some other stuff too. I, I get that butyl has the um, widest range of uh, compatibility with some of the more common conditions you might see in a brewery, but why don't you talk about some of the other options and, and maybe um, talk about where they excel or fall short? Yeah, certainly. Uh, for a long time, uh, you know, hoses were made out of natural rubber. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, certainly still some hoses are, uh, but, uh, as hose technology improved, they found that certain compounds reacted better with certain uh, pumped materials or had better longevity with it. So yeah, there's butyl, uh, being the primary one for, uh, for specifically chlorobutyl. Um, the one that we, uh, that we sell a heck of a lot of uh, specifically to distilleries is UHMW, um, also called LLDPE. I think that's linear low density polyethylene um but anyways it's a it's a uh extremely inert we recommend it for uh anything that has a, an alcohol composition above 50 percent um for, so from 50 to 96 percent um and then at 96 percent we generally recommend uh, a groundable hose um, which is something that people don't often think about but Obviously, above ninety-six percent, uh, you uh, you can have uh, sparking hazards just from you know the static electricity that occurs as a part of uh, liquid flowing through a tube. So, a groundable hose is recommended in those cases. And in breweries, it may not be you know so common unless the brewer is also distilling. So, is alcohol resistance really the only difference between distiller hose and and brewer's hose? Um, yeah. Well, there's also I'd say. Distiller's hose UHMW uh, has a has a 
uh, a narrower uh, acceptable temperature range than butyl. Um, but, you know, from a day-to-day usage perspective, yeah, you, you shouldn't notice a huge difference between a, between a, a hose-marked distillery hose and a, and a hose-marked uh, brewery hose. You know, that said, uh, anytime you're, you know, cleaning them or, or using them with any particular chemicals, check a chemical compatibility chart. But um, my strong suspicion is that uh, you wouldn't see uh, any huge differences between a brewery hose and a distillery hose. I've seen a lot of hoses labeled as vit- as Vintner hose too. Uh, any difference there? Or are they just putting a different name on it? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of uh, a lot of hose, uh, I think, is marketing and uh, well, similar with with beer, I suppose. The ley line, you know, the exterior covering. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I've I've uh, I've had a hose manufacturer uh, call me and say, "Hey, look, you know, got this hose that's uh, that's." Uh, vineyard hose um however breweries aren't buying it even though it would work perfectly well for breweries so we're thinking about you know switching out the ley line um to make it more marketable to to brewers and you know that it's it's the same compound um but I, i get it you know if you have something in your facility it makes you feel better if you know i'm a brewery if my hose says brewery on it or at the very least you know it doesn't say wine right um, right how about uh, epdm I, I know that's another common material what are the pros and cons of using epdm for your hose so uh epdm in general has a good chemical acid resistance um it's uh it's got a a, a, a wide variety of temperatures that it's uh, able to work with um, and typically we see it used in like uh, steam hoses wash down hoses those uh, types of things, I'd say that the main con for it, and it's and it's it's, it's relatively inexpensive. Um, the main con for it is that EPDM in general doesn't have the same uh, mechanical wear resistance uh, that, uh, that that butyl does. Okay, so EPDM less rugged than butyl in general. Well, I think I hijacked your acronym, so I think we were probably up to what P. Oh man, yeah, P. Okay, so P is uh, is another easy one. Uh, pressure, uh, but of course it applies to vacuum too. Um, and uh, yeah, most again, most brewery hoses are, are reinforced with stainless steel uh, helices throughout the hose, so uh, they should be good for pressures uh, that are generally happening in a brewery or or a vacuum. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're gonna go uh, inexpensive on hose then you just want to make sure that your uh, your operating pressures are in line with what the hose can handle is that the main is that the only purpose that that steel reinforcement serves being in the hose the pressure um yeah it's the main purpose i would say um i mean structural support in general um the ability to uh bend without kinking um when you've got a, a softer material like uh, like some of these compounds, having a stainless steel reinforcement allows it to to uh, bend without kinking more more ably. Um, although, uh, and I, I think I mentioned this uh, in the presentation, um, you can sometimes get the same types of hoses that are called crush resistant, um, and uh, those will be without 
the stainless steel wires because obviously if you run over uh, a hose with stainless steel helices in it, uh, it's going to crush. It's going to remain crushed and, you know, it's as good as gone. Um, however, again, I'd say 98% of the hose that we sell uh, is not quote unquote crush resistant and people just do fine as, as long as they don't run it over with a forklift. Okay, so I guess we're on, um, uh, let's see, E here now, right? Mm-hmm, E, yep. So E is uh, the end, and uh, of course, this one will probably be the most straightforward for any brewer. They know what type of ends they use in their facility, if they're a tri-clamp facility, if they're a, a cam lock facility for whatever reason, or if they're using uh, you know, Pacific Coast Thread or or uh, something exotic like DIN. Um, so yeah, just making sure that you have the, the correct ends for your application or that you are aware of how to, uh, to adapt to the ones that you need. How about talking about sort of the um, the different options for banding those hose ends uh, on? I, I know there's a couple, few different ways that can be done. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, in terms of applying the ends, you may or may not have to worry about uh, how that's being done. Um, perhaps, you know, your, your, uh, your hose vendor will take care of that for you. But uh, I know some breweries like to buy, you know, bulk hose and then band it themselves uh, in the field. Um, and so typically, uh, yeah, there's either banding, uh, external crimping, or internal expansion. Um, so uh, I'll start with banding. Banding is when you take a, a barbed hose end, you jam it in there, and then you use a special tool uh, typically made by a company called Bandit. Um, and they sell uh, either preformed clamps or reels of uh, hose banding material, and you apply the ends yourself. Um, if you go that route, my only advice is to uh, use uh, what two bands per end on anything inch and a half or smaller, and three bands per end on anything two inches or larger. Um, to try to use long hose ends so that you can get all three bands on evenly, and to stagger the bands so that uh, the buckle is on opposite sides uh, for each band. Um, and uh yeah that's a good option also if you need to you know make hose repairs in the field if you did uh you know do what i just said and accidentally run over your your hose with a forklift well you know you can get a hacksaw hack both ends off uh, stick hose ends uh back in there and, and band it quickly and you know you're not completely out of uh you know the thousand dollars or whatever you spent on, on that uh, length of hose um crimping and uh, internal expansion tend to be the domain of uh, hose vendors and distributors exclusively because the, the uh, machines to apply a crimped hose end are really quite expensive, particularly, you know, on two inch hose and larger. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, it's the same general principle, stick a hose end in and then you put a crimp sleeve over and then, you know, this big, uh, these big jaws come and, and clamp the, uh, the crimped end onto the hose. Um, and that's uh, probably, I would say the most popular, uh, style for breweries because it, it makes a clean, uh, application. Um, and, uh, you know, it, there's fewer surfaces for, for stuff to get stuck in, I suppose, but, you know, more difficult for a brewery to do in the field. And whereas, you know, a little bandit tool might cost 
200 bucks. Um, a hose crimper is thousands and thousands. And then, uh, Finally, internal expansion, which is uh, where you uh, stick the hose end in. You've got a uh, serrated or uh, yes, yeah, serrated material on both the uh, the hose end and on the uh, the uh, outer ferrule, and you pull a bead through the uh, the hose end, and it expands it to fit. And for a while there, that was uh, kind of the the ultimate for uh, for breweries because it provides a, a you know. Uh, clean uh, end without any uh, any any change in the surface. You know, it's, it's completely flat uh, all the way through from the hose end to the hose. Um, but I've not. I think it's not quite as popular anymore lately for for whatever reason. I don't know. But those are the three main ways to apply a hose end. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Except for delivery uh, for D. What what is there to talk about in regards to that, or is that just round out your acronym? <laughs> I'd, it's closer to rounding out the acronym, I'd say. But the only things that I would I would uh, I would say are, are relevant to uh, someone like me who's a hose merchant are that uh, standard sized uh, hose uh, lengths will generally increase the speed of delivery. So you know, many places will say, okay, hose comes in hundred foot rolls, so we're going to cut uh, five lengths of twenty foot, and we'll just keep those stocked. Um, whereas if, uh, you know, someone calls me and they say, okay, I need, uh, you know, 17 and a half inches here and then, uh, 32.5 feet here and, you know, yada, 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 uh, it, it may take longer to have that particular piece of hose delivered. So all that is to say, plan ahead. That was Michael Cavanis here on the Master Brewers podcast. Check out the show notes for a link to the presentation Michael gave at District Northwest, as well as links to the Ask the Brewmasters threads that were mentioned in this episode. Hey, remember the Belgian beer book that Sten Mertens and Jan Stencils talked about on episode 101, The Yeasts of Tomorrow? Well, great news. It's now available in the Master Brewers bookstore. Just go to mbaa.com slash store and type Belgian beer into the search bar to get your copy today. Just like that one day.